power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. All right, let's hear what you got. Let's hear them. Okay. So you got to you gotta ask me the question. Oh. You know the question? What's question number one? Question number one is, what is our only hope in life and death? And the answer? That we are not our own, but belong body and soul in life and death to our Father and to our Savior, Jesus Christ. To God, our Father. Wait, is it? Let me look at it. To God and to our Savior, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah, that we are not our own, but belong body and soul. Both. Okay, I was, I was good. I was good. And I, question, <laughs> and question two is, what is God? God is the creator and sustainer of everyone and everything. He is infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in His power and perfection, goodness and glory, wisdom, justice, and truth. Nothing. Uh, Nothing happens except through him and by his will. Is that how it goes? Nothing happens except through him and by his will. Good job. Yeah, okay, cool. Welcome to the podcast. In and through exist to equip the church to be hearers and doers of the word. My name is Tim. And my name is Marshall. <laughs> that is what you call being put on the spot. I like I, having the record button where you can't see it. I didn't even realize I was recording. Okay. <laughs> getting quizzed. Okay. Alex will want to cut it, but we'll leave it. <laughs> How you doing? I'm doing all right. Yeah. New wave of the lockdown. Yeah, it's like lockdown plus. This is this is like this is like you lock the doorknob, right? Because there's the lock in the doorknob. Yeah. And then you do the deadbolt. Oh. So this week this week we went to second stage of lockdown, which will be two weeks past by the time this airs, but that's this is the door, the knob and the deadbolt. Oh, see, I was thinking more along the lines of, you know, when you turn the amp up to 10. Yeah. Right. It's just blaring. But then, hey, some of them, they go to 11. Only on Spinal Tap. <laughs> I, with my analogy, the, the scary thing that hit me on my analogy, my first thought was that's funny. But then I think about like those movies that you watch and you have like these New York apartments, right, where they do the knob, the deadbolt. And then there's a chain, yeah, <laughs> or or another some other kind of something, and I just think how many how many locks are on this door that we can lock down. <laughs> oh, but here we are in our plexiglass recording booth. That's right. This is a much better idea than the Zoom we did last lockdown. Yeah, the Zoom was not ideal. Although I see you through a window dimly lit. One day. Okay. <laughs> One day, lockdowns will be over and we will see each other again face to face. That's great. Sorry, I didn't know it where you It might going be great. With. It might be blasphemous. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, we're working our way through this catechism now. Yeah, you've nailed the first two questions for us. So let's yeah. talk about question three. No, we're on question four. Question three was last week. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Where am I? You didn't even quiz me on Where am I? I didn't. Three. I didn't because I thought that's funny. I got him to do the first two recorded. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So question four. Question four. How and why did God create us? Why does this question matter? That's how we're, we're starting these off. Thoughts on it? Well, I mean, this kind of answers some of the biggest philosophical existential questions right? That humans have like, where did everything come from? And more specifically, why am I here? 
what's the point? Yeah. What is the meaning of life? Mm-hmm. This is kind of going to get us on track of what is the meaning of life. Right. Um, Which is not an empty question in its own right. No. No, it's not. And and I mean, I think one of the things that a lot of people don't maybe don't think about a lot is this whole concept of like worldviews. Right. And a worldview is kind of shaped by the answers we give to some pretty foundational questions about existence and truth and things like that. Mm-hmm. And so this question is really going to uh, heavily influence the Christian worldview. And people of different worldviews are going to have very different answers for this question or just no answer at all. They don't even ask the question. Right. Right. So. Yeah. And, and the idea of worldview, like I, I want to frame this a little bit because I, I think sometimes this is off. Uh, sometimes what people do, and, and I've, I've even read books on Christian worldview that have gone this direction. And, and what they what they want to do is they want to say, because you're a Christian, everything needs to come back to this. Right. right. So anything that you think needs to come back to this. It is sort of the, the checkbox. Right. To make sure that everything is lining up. And so. Uh, if you were believing a thing, then you need to say, oh, that doesn't line up with the Christian worldview, um, so I need to adjust that to make it fit. Mm. I don't think that that sort of post-production is really what's it, what's necessary for us. Okay. Instead, it's a renewing of the mind, a transforming of the heart. Mm-hmm. And I think what we do is is we we bury ourselves in the Word of God. And in prayer and communication with him and in cooperation and fellowship with other Christian believers. And what happens then is not that we change things to make them fit into a system. Mm. But our hearts and minds are changed so that we see them differently. Yeah. And then instead of becoming sort of like the the checkbox to, to give us a grade or to govern how we're doing with our thought. Mm-hmm. Instead, it becomes the lens that we look through and, and everything that we see is adjusted by mm. the word of God. Yeah, I actually really like that, Tim, because rather than kind of pointing the finger and saying, you need to change your mind on the issue, it's more like saying, open yourself to allowing God and his word mm-hmm. to change your mind. Right. Right. And, and what happens, I think, at that point is it doesn't become issue per issue. Mm. What happens at that point is it, it is essentially what we call a paradigm shift. And the root of the way that we think is changed. Mm-hmm. And when that is changed, everything else falls into place. Hmm. And so at that point, Christian worldview isn't about studying a list. It's about seeing the world a different way. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That's great. Oh, thank you. So what are some alternative answers to this question that we might come across? I think the most prominent would be that he didn't. Yeah, that's the first one on my list too. <laughs> uh, and and you know this is this is really like this moves into the area of apologetics. Mm-hmm. Um, I I cannot for the life of me fathom the concept that all that is in this universe is a happy accident. Yeah, neither can I. Right. Yeah. And and I I watch a lot of apologists and I. And so there are times when the opposition to this will be like, well, imagine the multiverse theory. There are an infinite number of universes where there are an infinite number of possibilities. And so all things are a reality. And this one just happens to be 
the reality in this universe. To which I once heard an apologist say, well, in the multiverse theory, you would also have to leave open the opportunity for one of those universes to have a creating God. <laughs> that's a good point. Are you yeah. open to that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's great. <laughs> but but the idea that the idea that we exist rather than nothing existing. The idea that uh we are so complex um and fragile. Mm-hmm. Right? Like we can't even go outside without a coat on. Yeah. Right? It, those things to me just make evolution silly. Right? The bacteria can survive in the cold. It can survive in heat far beyond that. Doesn't need near the food that I have to sustain. It's not nearly as high maintenance as I am. Yeah. I'm not really a princess kind of person. I don't need much. But bacteria's got me whipped. It's going to outsurvive me. <laughs> Why on earth would it ever evolve into me? Yeah. Because it was better off at surviving as a bacteria. Yeah. And so that just doesn't make any sense to me. I think that we exist. The answer to this question is probably the greatest apologetic for the existence of a God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, so I, I think the whole he didn't yeah. um, doesn't it doesn't work logically. Yeah, in my mind. So I guess the next the next answer, common answer in our culture, um, is just kind of the well, we can never know. Yep. How could we ever know? So rather than being the atheist, now we're talking about the agnostic, right? Right. You're just like, uh, who knows? And maybe who cares? Right? That's kind of the the agnostic view. Yeah, and that's a good distinction, right? The atheistic says, I know that there's no God. Yeah. And the agnostic says, we can never know. Right. Right. Yeah. And in my the circles that I run in, I actually come across a lot more of those people mm-hmm. than, than full-blown atheists. Right. If you even if someone calls himself an atheist, if you press a bit, you'll find they're they're usually just agnostic. Right. Some people just use the word atheist because they think it means I don't believe in God. Mm. Right. Right. Um, but you press them and they'll say, "Well, I don't know. I haven't thought about it too much, but I don't think we can know." Yeah. Which proves they're agnostic. Yeah. Um, another alternative answer. This might seem simplistic, but uh, because he was bored. Why did God create us? Just, yeah, he had nothing better to do. Yeah. Like that, you know. I don't know if that really falls in like a deist type category, but it was just like he just did a thing. It acknowledges the existence of a God. Mm-hmm. So I would say it's definitely a deistic thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would put that sort of on par with the um, the egotistical idea, right? Um, just because he needed things to worship him. Mm-hmm. because of his ego. And so, uh, yeah, those are those are sort of deistic positions that aren't flattering. Yeah, and that kind of le- led into the next one that I had on my list, the last one that I wrote down. Uh, so, like, because he needed us, right? Yeah. So some people kind of get into this stuff like, God just couldn't, you know, couldn't handle a universe without you. So he made you just the way you are so that he could have... Like, it's... It's like it's getting closer to something that is like kind of true, but but still out of left field. Yeah, God, God is this sort of clingy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He needed a buddy, right? And so he made you to be his best buddy. It's like uh, there's already a perfect community that existed within the triune Godhead for all of eternity. So 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's the that's the real problem with that. Right. Is is you have then a less than perfect and complete God, right? Because he's emotionally incomplete. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so so yeah, troublesome things. What does the Bible say about it? Well, Genesis one twenty seven is the verse linked to this in the Catechism. It is, and I'm just. It you, says, you have it in front of you? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> it says, <laughs> so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Nice. Yeah. So that leads into the answer that the catechism gives, which is, you can see is drawn out of this. It's that God created us male and female in his own image to know him, love him, live with him, and glorify him. And it's right that we who were created by God should live to his glory. Right. In his image mm-hmm. to be in his fellowship. Yeah. Yeah, because there's kind of two parts of this question. There's the how and the why. Right. Right? And we can maybe talk about the how and what's important there and talk about the, the why. Sure. Yeah. Right? And, and when, we, when we talk about how, we don't mean the means by which. Yeah. We kind of get into that next week. Right. We talk about how it, we, the, the outcome yeah. of it. Yeah. Right. First part, controversial. Yeah. Right. He created his male and female. I mean, only controversial in like the last decade, but yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and, and even that, even that, it's funny to see how um, this is a very intuitive thing. And I would say that it's so intuitive that even when you watch, um, those who would argue otherwise, you watch them closely and you find that they slip up all the time mm-hmm. and stick to two genders. Right. And, um, and, and it's because they have to force themselves to think outside of that, even when it is their own rhetoric. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so, yeah, created male and female. Mm-hmm. That's what he chose in his own image. Yeah, both of them in his own image. Right. Male and female created in the image. Mm-hmm. What image means is a question. Sure, yeah. A question that is not answered in Scripture. Hmm. I've heard a lot of people presume what image means. Mm. Mind, body, and soul, mm. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Mm. We're all three in one. Yeah. <laughs> The Bible isn't isn't clear what it is about us distinctly mm-hmm. that represents his image. Um, but I don't think that it needs to. I think for us to look at humanity and say that is the image of God represented on earth. Mm-hmm. Not an not an e- equal partner. Sure. But a representation. Yeah. A lesser. I I, I I like to use this analogy for understanding that we're not little G gods, as mm-hmm. uh, Creflo Dollar likes to, and and others like to teach. There's a difference between being the image and being the thing. Oh yeah, right. You ever go to um, to like remember remember restaurants? <laughs> so throw yourself back and think about restaurants. I think I remember. Right, and on the menu board of the fast food restaurant. There is an image of the thing right. that causes you to want the thing. Mm. It represents 
that thing, but it is not that thing. Mm. Where the metaphor falls apart, where the metaphor falls apart is this. The image is often more desirable than what comes in the box. That's right. It's more beautiful <laughs> than what comes in the box. Yeah. But you understand. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, God reveals a part of who he is through human beings. Mm-hmm. I think it's enough, like, safe to say that, right? And I would say even that slightly different facets of who he is through different people. 100%. Um, and so I think that's that's wonderful. Um, Piper in his commentary, we, we won't read it all, but it's included on the online format. He kind of talks about how, like, okay, the fact that God created the male and female creates opportunity for procreation, which inevitably leads to community. Mm-hmm. And talks about how that aspect of community points to the nature of God, as we discussed Last week, this this kind of community of three that has always existed. And I thought that was a cool answer. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard a variety of different analogies and explanations for this, but it's something, like you said, like to be made in God Im- God's image, we don't have a fully a fully orbed answer of, of what all that entails, but but we know that it's significant. Yeah. We and, are unique that way. And that's the point, right? That's why in, in Genesis uh, chapter 6 or 9, uh, it's going to to talk about um, how how the person should be treated in such a way as to say, if anyone sheds the blood of man, by man his blood should be shed. Yeah. Right. And and that even the beasts are accountable for shedding man's blood. Mm-hmm. And then says because man is the image of God. Right. So all of creation accountable for attacks on the image of God. Mm-hmm. We don't need to know exactly what he's trying to tell us by image, what function um, we represent specifically. To know that what he's saying is there is a sacred nature to humanity, mm. to the human life, and that being in particular. And to allow that to change the way that we approach one another mm-hmm. and that we respect one another, yeah. all people. Yep. It, what it tells me is it doesn't matter how different you are than me. It doesn't matter how differently we think, how right or wrong I might affirm you to be. You are still the image bearer of God. Yeah. And I will respect you as such. Yep. Yep. Agreed. So we've dealt with the how. Um, let's get into the why and not that the first part isn't interesting, but I found the why portion of this to be really interesting. And there's kind of four things that are mentioned in the catechism that Mm -hmm. I actually kind of think build on each other. Um, it was interesting. All four were compromised by the fall. Um, and all four are made possible through Christ and the work of the spirit. Um, so the first thing is to know him. Right, that we were made to mm-hmm. to know him, um, and I I think humanity is unique within all of creation in the sense that we can know our Creator, right? Like your your dog doesn't know the Creator like you do, right? Um, God wants to be known; He has a desire to be known. 
um, and he reveals himself to us. Right. Right. And the Bible talks about how he's revealed himself through what, you know, what theologians call general revelation. So just like seeing the natural order of things like what we were talking about earlier, like we're just so complex and yet fragile that there must have been a creator of some kind. Yeah. And and just because the rocks can cry out doesn't mean that the rocks do know their creator. Right. In a cognitive way. Right. Uh, what it means is they are an expression of the glory of God. Mm-hmm. And even if you refuse to worship God, the beauty of nature itself mm-hmm. reveals the creative beauty and capacities of its creator. Yeah. Yeah. And so on top of that general revelation, there's special revelation, which mm-hmm. is the word of God, that what he has spoken to us through prophets and apostles and, and through the mouth of Christ himself. I'm going to keep mentioning Charles Spurgeon. Okay. Sermon on the Bible over and over again until everyone has gone back and read it. <laughs> um, just because it's brilliant. And it is this, right? He says there, the Bible being the special revelation, mm-hmm. he says there is enough in nature for me to know that there is a God. Mm-hmm. And I could have been left wondering, mm-hmm. who is this God? Why does he not look down on me? Mm-hmm. Why is he silent? But that's not the case. Mm-hmm. He's chosen not to leave us only knowing that he's out there, but to know him personally. Yeah. And yeah. that is how he intros uh, more eloquently, as Spurgeon would obviously do. Um but that's how he intros his discussion on why we value the Bible so much. Yeah, yeah. So we know him. We were created to know him. Next, we were created to love him. Right? As we come to know him, we can't help but love him. Right? And I think this idea of like being known and being loved can be confusing for us as human beings. So one of the things that I think a lot of people wrestle with is like they're afraid of being known uh, because it may cause people to love us less. Like if you right. really knew everything about me, you wouldn't like me as much as you do. Mm-hmm. But that's because we're fallen, right? That's not that way with God. Yeah, knowing Him more will cause you to love Him more. And a lot of like, and I've heard it in certain circles, right? This whole idea of like, you know, looking down upon people who really want to get to know God and know about Him study his word and get into that sort of thing. And people are like, you know, that is somehow going to inhibit your love relationship with God. Right. That's silly. And I mean, we've talked about this before. We don't need to belabor the subject, but, um, but you know what? I, I think it's, I think it's very applicable even to what we're doing. Right. I'm sure, I'm sure that there are people who might've listened last year because we were reading the Bible mm-hmm. that when we said this coming year, 2021, we are going to be doing um, some theology, mm-hmm. walking through a catechism, talking, using it as a Kickstarter for theological conversation. Right. I'm sure that there are people that went, oh, that's too bad, and checked out for the very reason that you're saying, mm-hmm. that theology and the study of God has, has become a less than desirable thing, Yeah, that it would work backwards. That doesn't make sense in any relationship. Mm-hmm. If you went home and Candace was like, hey, can I tell you what's on my heart? And you're like, no, honey, because if it doesn't jive with me, I won't love you as much. I won't love you as much. <laughs> and so 
I think it's best that we just not talk to each other and keep our distance. Mm. And I can just presume good on you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we can leave it at that. It doesn't build your marriage. Yeah. No, FYI. <laughs> uh, some, some free marital advice there. You came for theology. You get marriage training. There you go. Um, it, why we would apply that to a relationship with God. Mm. Uh, to be honest with you, I, I think it's really because there's a lot in the study of God to wrestle with. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot that we think we know that we don't really know because we haven't really given it a thought. Kind of like the atheist and the agnostic. I think it's just laziness. Yeah, I think it's just justifying laziness, to be honest. Yeah. It's hard work. It's hard, like, like digging deep, pulling these things apart, trying to find answers to these questions is not, is not easy. Right. Um, and it can be unsettling. Sure. When we learn things about God that we don't know how to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes it takes huge seasons of life to work through some difficult things. Mm-hmm. Um, some people get, start to stumble in those areas. Um, that does not mean that knowing God is the problem. Mm-hmm. That means our capacity to receive God is the problem. And it's not an issue with head knowledge. It's an issue with heart transformation. Yeah. Yeah. But wrestle through those things. Mm-hmm. God's designed you for that. Yeah. He's also designed us to live with him. So because of this love relationship, which is, I mean, we know that we love him because he first loved us, right? Right. That is exemplified primarily or, or supremely, I should say, in Christ's atoning sacrifice for us. Right. right? So because of that, we are now able to live, be at peace with God right. as we were originally intended, as Adam and Eve did in the garden. Right? Yeah, because I, I, I was thinking when you were saying that, um, I think the two moments that show God's greatest love for us are the garden and the cross, mm. right? Mm-hmm. That he brought us into being to begin with. Mm-hmm. And then ultimately, like you said, that he would take the brokenness and redeem it. Yeah. Yeah, so now we can live at peace with God um, only because of what Christ has done on our behalf. And then finally, the last thing is to glorify him. Um, Westminster Confession, the chief end of man, to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, so as we live in Christ, you know, now we are justified because of what he's done for us. And we're being sanctified. We're being made holy. Um, we glorify God, right? Yeah. Um, imperf- in, like imperfectly now, but one day perfectly, mm-hmm. right? Um, and, and as I was reflecting on this, I was thinking, you know, sometimes we talk about Christian obedience in that like, hey, th- you should do this thing uh, because you want to avoid negative consequences, Um which is, you know, true sometimes, right? There are negative consequences in this life. We don't want to offend God, right? Right, which is true b- mm-hmm. biblically. That's very true. Um, there's a there's an you know an element of self improvement, right? Where we are pursuing Christ likeness, so obedience ought to be driving us in in that direction. As long as we have an understanding that self improvement is more about chasing after being like Jesus, but I think our obedience ultimately is about glorifying God. That is the primary right. purpose of Christian obedience. It glorifies God. Yeah. 
Yeah, to me, this this harkens back very much to our first question. Mm. Um, what is our only hope in life and in death? Mm-hmm. Right? That idea that we do not belong to ourselves, but we belong to him yeah. for his glory. Mm-hmm. And, and when I think about how this applies, just to move us, segue us into the so what time of this. Mm-hmm. How does this, is this just head knowledge or does it change the way that I live? I think this question and number one affect the way that we look at the world very similarly. Mm. We get out of our own headspace, stop thinking about Tim so much, right? which is my headspace, no one else's. <laughs> stop thinking about Tim so much and understand what we're here for. That could sound like do your duty, Taoism mm. kind of a thing, right? Like you were put here for a purpose, achieve that purpose, the glory of God, at whatever expense it costs you. Mm. Um, but that's not how I, that's not why it brings me comfort. Not brings me comfort because it gives me purpose and encourages me towards a duty it gives me courage and hope because I realize if it's not about me, then when things happen to me, that's okay because mm. I'm not the star of this show. Right. When, when our kids are really struggling watching movies and it starts getting intense and they get really nervous in the movie, we're not talking about like serious movies. Our kids are still pretty sensitive in that way. Talking like Moana. Yeah. And you look at it and you're like, it's the main character, right? And they're like, yes. So you know it's going to be okay. We just have to figure out how it becomes okay. And that's how we try to bring the temperature down in that. So far, they only watch movies where that's the case. Yeah. <laughs> the day is coming. <laughs> the day is coming where that will not be the case. But for the moment, it works. Yeah. And in this instance, I would say, I'm not the main character. Mm-hmm. I'm hardly an extra, right? I'm not even the extra that you see on camera in the back of the coffee shop. I'm the extra that's like 10 blocks down the road in the busy street driving the taxi. And you barely catch a glimpse of the vehicle, let alone the person in the vehicle. That's how low I am on the extra. Oh man! And if something happens to me, it doesn't change the film. Yeah. I don't exist for me. This world doesn't exist for me. I am not the star of even my own story. Mm-hmm. And so it's okay. Yeah. In the end, his will be done. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. I mean, the last, the last line to in this answer, and it's right that we who were created by God should live to his glory. Yeah. Um, I want to read J.C. Ryle's very brief commentary if i can get it open here for some reason it doesn't want to open for me all right here we go so here's what jc ryle had to say on this subject he said the glory of god is the first thing that god's children should desire it is the object of one of our lord's own prayers father glorify thy name it is the purpose for which the world was created it is the end for which the saints are called and converted, is the chief thing we should seek, that God in all things may be glorified. Anything whereby we may glorify God as a talent, our gifts, 
our influence, our money, our knowledge, our health, our strength, our time, our senses, our reason, our intellect, our memory, our affections, our privileges as members of Christ's church, our advantages as possessors of the Bible, all, all our talents. And whence came these things? What hand bestowed them? Uh, Why are we what we are? Why are we not the worms that crawl on the earth? There is only one answer to these questions. All that we have is a loan from God. We are God's stewards. We are God's debtors. Let this thought sink deeply into our hearts. Hmm. You know, when you were reading that, I was thinking about Philippians chapter 2. That's where we get the passage where it says uh, that Christ did not count equality with God something to be grasped. Hmm. To be clear, that doesn't mean achieved. Right. It means held on to. He was going to condescend from his place in heaven, mm-hmm. his throne with the Father, to earth, to be an example to us. Yeah. To take on flesh, to show us how it's done perfectly. Yeah. And in that, he constantly talks about it being for the glory of the Father. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If Jesus lived not for his own glory, who are you? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great. I think we need to end it there, Tim. How about we end it with this? <laughs> Thanks for listening. The podcast is a resource of Memorial Baptist Church in Stratford, Ontario, in cooperation with the Gospel Coalition of Canada and is produced by Alex Walker. See you next time, folks. Take care, everybody. Take care.